All right, welcome back, folks, uh, to another episode of Here by the Owl, and I'm your host, Doug Hinkey. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to sit down and uh, to do some interviews, but uh, it's been a long spring, so good to get back, be ready to uh, to record. Uh, today's guest, got with me, Mr. Brian Williams. Um, Brian, it's good to finally sit down and be able to uh, to be able to talk. I know we've we've talked about this, what going back clear to last August. I think you're yeah. at the State Fair, and <laughs> yeah, I think know. so. Life, life's kind of gotten away among every, yep, everything else. That, that's right. The world has uh, the world has been off its tilt just a little bit for the last <laughs> year. Exactly. So anyway, we finally. I was like, man, we got to make this thing happen because, uh, as some of you may know, uh, was it uh, Brian is retiring from ag teaching. So let me um, be one to to congratulate you on that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, I know we're definitely going to, I know you won't be far away, but I know we'll miss you in the, in the ag teacher world. But, uh, but like I said, uh, that is a big deal and uh, I'm glad you got to make it happen. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that later on uh, and, and have some advice for some, from young folks, how to, how to make that happen. So you bet. Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, kind of give us the, give us the rundown from, from the get go. I got you. Well, uh, I grew up uh, in Gower, Missouri, uh, kind of in between St. Joe and Kansas City. Some of you will know where that's at. And uh, uh, on, a, on a little small farm, uh, my dad uh, auctioneered and shoot horses. And uh, we had shorthorn cattle. And eventually we kind of we got into the sheep deal a little bit. And so I grew up showing cattle and showing sheep eventually and, and and messing with horses quite a bit actually I never it's it's funny when I tell people now I, we never had a hog on the place I never showed a hog I never wasn't, wasn't around them if you'd have told me then that I'd have been really excited about hogs or we'd be as heavy into it as we are or that eventually my daughter would show a bunch of goats I'd probably laughed at you um went to school there at East Buchanan and and had uh, had a great ag teacher and uh, uh, Dennis Campbell and some of the some of the older folks will certainly recognize that name. And there's several people in our profession then that have been impacted by Dennis uh, that had him as a teacher or, or maybe student taught with him or, or certainly have a have a working relationship there. And, uh, Dennis passed away here a few years ago. And that was a huge loss, not just to, to us that knew him, but just kind of an ag teaching community. But that's really what started me on this path is that uh, he was so involved in every facet of it, whether it be contest or showing or just the day-to-day SAE. And, and, and really probably at the end of the day, he, he was one of those teachers that kind of made everybody feel like he made you feel like you were, you were the most important kid to him, even though I would venture there was probably 90 kids that all felt that way. Right, uh, right. He was, he was just that type of guy. Um, I went, uh, went and judged livestock at uh, NEO in Miami and then eventually worked my way back to Northwest and graduated with an ag ed degree and, and uh, went to Princeton and have been there ever since. I'm kind of a – I was dumb enough. I, I just planted my feet where I landed the first time and stayed there, So, which is getting to be rare and rare as it turns out. You know, Back then I just figured, well, that's how you do it. Um, now it's getting to be 
that's getting to be a, a maybe a rarer story that you kind of land somewhere and stay there. Right. And, uh, right. But been there. This is uh, so this was 23 years. That was okay. There. So you graduated high school in 94? 94. Yes, sir. See, I didn't realize yeah. until uh, probably a month or so ago, I was actually had a conversation with, you know, with Darren Farmer. Him and I went to college together. And, yeah. and anyway, yeah. he was the one that told me that you and I, that we were all the same age. Yeah. Yeah. And, we and, all started about the same time, I think. Well, and, and I didn't, well, I was on the five-year plan at Mizzou. I decided yeah. to take that extra year, you know, I changed <laughs> yep. majors. And so, yep. yeah, for a long time, I, I had no idea. I mean, I, I knew you were about my age, but I didn't have any idea that, yeah, you, we were the exact same age. Um, hold on just a second. Of course, somebody's trying to call. <laughs> of course, it's that time of year. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, but anyway, yeah, I didn't know that. So, uh, and I'm kind of surprised that our paths never crossed. And, you know, for the listeners out there that uh, that uh, might find this interesting, you know, you, uh, like I said, you and I are, are about the same age. But, you know, really, you know, we've had conversations over the years, but really probably, you know, I don't know you as well as what I know, you know, a lot of other folks. And I don't know why, because yep. like I said, you planted it in northwest Missouri and, and just, yep been around we've we've talked but i mean yep. uh, but uh it's only been in the last you know recent years that we've talked a, a lot more than the past and it just kind of you know by happenstance but i did find that really interesting that i'm like well i just you know i you think i'd pay more attention to that crap that that, yep. <laughs> that we were the same age and so we would know like i said we'd know a lot of the same people that uh i went to high yeah. school with and uh, that ended up in northwest and actually that was i was telling somebody this morning that uh um, my initial plan was, is when I got out of high school was to go to Northwest and it was only, yeah. it, it was only because, uh, conversation, with my dad and, and my dad, who, by the way, was an auctioneer as well. And that was his yeah. entire career. He, yeah. uh, he wanted me close to home for the business. And so that's ended up really how I ended up at Mizzou instead of at Northwest. So, yep. but, uh, our paths might've changed then. So it's, it's funny how that stuff works out because, uh, when I, when I went to NEO, I, I fully intended on going uh, on to judge at a senior college. I, and, uh, I actually had, uh, I decided I was going to go to Oklahoma state. I had an apartment in Stillwater. I enrolled in my classes. I, I came home that summer and, uh, I was, of course I said I was involved in, in horses a little bit. And my dad had found me a, a, a 10 year old gilding that a, that a guy, a neighbor had that that horse had never been broke. And he wanted to try to break him for his granddaughter. And, uh, and it turned into a pretty big project. And I was headed over to work on this horse at this guy's place. And uh, this is, you'll, you'll find out through this story, we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about William's luck. And this was probably the first big William's luck extravaganza that happened. A girl hit me head on. Uh, she was uh, 14 years old, driving a car that wasn't licensed or insured, um, and totaled, totaled both vehicles. Uh, they Everybody in their car was okay, but it, uh, it broke all my ribs away from my sternum and bruised my heart. And uh, I was in the hospital for like two weeks. And somewhere in that, in that time, uh, my path changed a little bit. And I kind of decided I wanted to stay closer to home. And, uh, and so last minute, I switched gears, found somebody to take my lease in Stillwater and ended up going to Northwest and decided to be I always wanted to be an ag teacher, 
but I'll, I'll be honest with you, and, and we'll talk about this more, that <laughs> even when I went to Northwest, my plan was, well, I'll, I was kind of on the, in my mind, the five-year time. I'm going to teach for five years, and then I'll jump out and do something in the industry. Um, but I, I'll go teach for five years just to kind of see what it's about. <laughs> and, and here I am, you know, 23 years later and, and still <laughs> was still doing all this stuff. So, but that's how I ended up at Northwest is that actually wasn't my plan and things happen. Life kind of, life kind of jumps up and happens once in a while. And that's where I ended up and it worked out good. There were several, several of my, my, my close friends, uh, Doug Walkup that raises, they have club right. lambs and stuff. Doug and I went to high school together. There was two or three of us that were, had all been in ag and all been good friends and showed livestock. And they had a, they just happened to have a house that they needed one more person to make the rent work. And, and so I went, well, Hey, I, I could do that. And so I went to Northwest and, and never looked back here. I've been in Northwest Missouri the rest of the time. <laughs> now is, is your brother Bryce? Yes. Yep. Yeah. My but Bryce, Bryce showed hogs, correct? Bryce showed hogs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they started off about the first I think the the first year, maybe two, that he that he could show, because he's he's fifteen years younger than I am. So oh, yeah. So one of us, I'm not going to say who, one of us was not planned. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. Not sure which one, but he's fifteen years younger than me. And so uh, either the first or second year he showed, they they showed some lambs still, and that was kind of that lamb deal was shifting and changing, and and uh, they just weren't just weren't happy with it. And by that time we had several kids, Briley wasn't old enough to show them, but we had several kids that showed hogs and kept them at the school farm. And so that I said, Hey, why don't you try, why don't you try this hog deal? I think you'll like it. And so that's when they jumped in the, the hog deal. And then that's kind of history too. you. Yeah, that he became a hog guy all the way through. Well, and the, and the only reason, you know, that I, that I knew Bryce was because, you know, uh, right after I started teaching, probably, Oh, I'm trying to think. I've been helping at the state fair uh, basically since J.R. Reed had taken over, and, and yep. that's where. Uh, and I thought I was pretty sure that he was your brother. One thing I can say about your brother, he's pretty intense. I mean, yeah, he, he is intense. Hog, he was nothing but business, and he it kind of long. And I don't, and I don't mean any disrespect here, but that's kind of where I was around your dad a little bit, and oh, he gosh. always reminded me of Nick Nolte for some reason. Just you know, yep. his voice. Kind of I, gruff I got, and rough, yeah, and yeah. I always, always thought, well, there's Nick Nolte in the crowd. So. <laughs> yep, that's right. It's kind of he's he. I would call him kind of a miniature version of Nick Nolte, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he's anybody that knows my dad or has been around him. Of course, he's they they left and and he he uh, bought a place in in Oklahoma and they went down there and he's been down there for oh ten ten or twelve years now, and so he's. He's not around as much, but there was a time when he was infamous is what I would say. <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of guys that, that knew dad. And when I was a kid, and I probably should say this, when I was a kid, uh, from the time I was little, my dad uh, would help with the dairy cattle team there at East, East Buck and help Campbell a little bit, haul kids. or their, Campbell was a single teacher then, and so – if he needed somebody to go with him or he couldn't go that day and just was sending a couple teams, there'd be times he'd send my dad. And uh, so from the time I was a little kid, I got to go on some of those trips and be around that a little bit. And so yeah. some of those ag teaching, older ag teaching crowd, Keith D. Schultz, some of them guys, yeah. they, uh, they, they knew my dad a little bit. And he was, <laughs> I, like I said, he was, he was infamous. And that's <laughs> probably, 
one of the best comparisons I've ever heard, actually, is <laughs> kind of the Nick Nolte deal. That's that's a good one. I like that. Well, and, and actually, there's a there's a comedian. You'll have to look it up sometime. And it's been years, but it used to talk about uh, uh, Nick Nolte had uh, actually had uh, was almost cast for the role of Han Solo. And this comedian <laughs> does this this whole thing <laughs> yeah. with Chewbacca. You've got to listen. And so and every time <laughs> I heard you, up. every time I heard your dad speak. That was immediately that that little <laughs> that little bit just had, and I would just crack up. So <laughs> anyway, but uh, well, that's good. You so so you've been at Princeton. You've been there the whole time. Um, yep. I mean, did you ever? I want to say uh, dip your toes in other waters. You know, did you ever wonder what it was like if, or you know, it was just it was the perfect thing from the get go, and you just thought that. Uh, well, you know that's everybody's got a story, I suppose. And, and I can tell you when I, when I got there, I, and I, I like to tell these stories, especially I'd tell them to some of my officer teams now, or, or those type of kids, you know, and, and I'll tell them what it was like when I got there and they, they think you're, they think you're lying. They think you're telling stories. And, and I'll tell you, when I got to Princeton, not to disparage my community or those kids, but it was the wild west. It was, uh, those kids were, I would, I would say lawless would be the, the best analogy there. And I can tell you for the first probably four years, every morning I woke up and kind of went, wow, there's got to be something else maybe <laughs> somewhere <laughs> that a guy could go do that's, that's better than this or easier. And, uh, it was, it was, it was an interesting, interesting couple of years. And, uh, and, and, there was kind of a shift or a change that happened, I guess I would say, and this would be some of my advice, I guess, to those younger teachers is that, you know, whether you inherit a great program and you're worried about continuity and keeping up traditions, and that kind of stuff, or you inherit something that, you know, we're used to, you know, not coming to class unless we want to, or, you know, today coming in and playing on your phone and doing nothing or whatever, you know, take take those kids that you can make your kids and eventually that program is going to be populated with your kids and uh, and then you get to shift and, and set the tone and and so i'd say about the time about three three years in i saw a shift a change in kids and then by the time that group that i had started as freshmen were seniors it was a complete difference in i won't say a complete turnaround but a complete difference just in how they viewed things that we did and, and right. kind of starting to get in on it. And then, so we kind of got on a roll and for, for a long time, I was pretty excited. I had a couple opportunities over the years and to look at maybe going to a different setting, a different school, a different program, or, or I, I had a couple opportunities uh, to move to the, to the junior college level. I say that, but I'd had to, I'd had to work on some education stuff. I don't have my, I, I've been at this 23 years. I don't have my master's or anything beyond the bachelor's degree really. And so I'd had to work through some schooling issues there, but, but really at the end of the day, I'd say from about year three in, I was, uh, I was pretty happy doing what I was doing and, and, kind of in that mode where you, you were always, you were excited about what was going on and you were excited about what next year could hold, you know, kind of like yeah. this show pig deal, you know, you might have a, you might have a decent one this year, but oh man, wait till next year. We're going to go get one, you know, and kind of that type yeah. of mentality. And so I was, I was really happy where I was at and uh, really satisfied with being there and doing what I did 
in, in that community and in that school, probably. Well, it's funny that you mentioned year three, because in my second year at Concordia, I had a couple boys that were really interested in livestock judging and we really kind of hit the ground running. I thought anyway, but I, I took a group, I took three of them to the Iowa beef expo. And actually I remember you were the, one of the few familiar faces in the crowd yep. that, yeah. And, and even though I didn't really know you, I mean, yep. I, I was like, I'm pretty sure that guy teaches in Missouri somewhere, but that yeah. would have been about year three. So, yeah. Of yeah. course, I understand Des Moines is a hell of a lot closer to you. Than, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, we're, we're at an advantage there. That's one we, we seem like we always hit just because for us, it's it's closer than a lot of the contests we go to in Missouri. It's I, I've always laughed, with the exception of just a few schools in the Northwest District, Princeton's kind of a geographical oddity. We're, we're two hours from everywhere. It doesn't matter what you're doing, you know. And so coming to Des Moines was always just a good kind of starter on those livestock teams and so it was a neat neat jump and I always told my kids it goes all the way back to when I judged in college that win or lose uh, the Iowa Beef Expo is usually it doesn't really matter how you do in the contest as much as that's probably the best cattle workout a guy can see all spring yeah. in terms of that many good cattle all in one place on one day so and actually I had never been back I mean and it wasn't because you know I put it out there to some kids you know to say hey man if you if you want to go this is a, this is a great place it was a great experience I mean yeah and we went uh, I had a friend that was a college judge at that or a college uh, coach at that time and uh, anyway he would kind of was the one that encouraged it uh, yep. It was the first time I'd ever been to or first and only time I ever went to Hawkeye breeders and uh, kind of yep. made that. Uh, but, you know, it was pretty touch and go that week of whether or not we were going to go the snow. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Ed, it's that week is infamous for being a horrible weather week. It's just not it's never a nice week. It's there's always, you know, you're kind of touch and go on. Are we going to make this trip or the road's going to be good enough or you get up here? And it snows ten inches while you're here. Or, yeah, you know it's it's always a, it's always a rough week weather. And it it was a wake up call to me because what does it take uh, thirty five up? Yeah, I thirty five. I thirty five was clear till we hit the Missouri line, and it just looked like the Iwegians just said to hell with it. We're going home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it was basically a two track and a two wheel drive van all the way to all the way to Des Moines, and the pucker factor yep. was pretty high. You bet. You Your old hands are. Hands are cramped up by the time you get there. Exactly. You had such a and here I am, you know, second year of my teaching career thinking, well, this school had a, a fairly new <laughs> van, and here I'm going to lay this thing over on its side with kids. I'm like, I can see the yep. headlines now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we made it there. And I mean, the kids liked to froze to death, didn't have near enough clothes for the trip. Yep. But, uh, yep. Anyway, it, it was a good time. It's definitely one of those, you know, things that stands out to, in my memory of, of cool things I got to do. So, yep. Uh, kind of jump into classroom, you know, what was, you know, what do you like to teach the most or what, what's been your favorite thing in the classroom? Um, and I'll be honest with you, I, I've, I've had this conversation a couple times at, at like the mentor protege meetings or I just talked to the, the guy that's going to, the guy that's going to take the printing job over it. And I, I'm a big believer in, especially starting out, um, kind of play to your strengths and find the stuff that, that you're comfortable with, that you're interested in, because I'm a huge believer that if you're enthusiastic and excited, kids are going to be excited about it. Oh, and, absolutely. and so animal science, of course, is my, 
kind of what I'm interested in and, and how I grew up. And I wish I've always wished I was, I, I'll be, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm the world's worst shop teacher. I'm the world's worst ag mech guy. Um, I just, and, and like you said, we'll refer back to my dad. It's, it's bred in me. It's genetic. I can't help it. My dad fixes everything with a sledgehammer. And, uh, and when he welds something, as long as it, if he hits it with a sledgehammer and it doesn't immediately break, that's good enough. And, uh, and so Campbell tried uh, to get me better in the shop and it just never stuck. And so the animal science part of it is, is always been the thing that I, that I gravitate to and that I enjoy the most. And, uh, and really I would say, I could even just leave it under that broad umbrella because really I, I enjoy the nutrition part of it. I enjoy the reproduction part of it, the genetics part of it. And really all those, the breed identification and kind of breed histories and stuff. I, I just get excited about all that stuff. And so really anything within that now, it, I, here's, here's the one asterisk to that conversation. I'm not a poultry, I'm not a poultry guy. And so I kind of have to grit my teeth and, and force myself through just a little bit of poultry stuff. But when it comes to the, what I consider kind of livestock species or, or horses too, I kind of enjoy that side of it. And, and that's, and that has been kind of the bread and butter of our, of our curriculum and our classes probably for a lot of years at Princeton. Yeah. And I, and if you're like me, you know, I've, I've taught animal science. In fact, I teach a dual credit animal science Yep. And, and I can't say that I've ever taught it the same way in the same right, way. Exactly. Yeah. You it's know. probably different. It's probably different every time it, it, yeah. it's, uh, because there'll be something pop up that, that I get interested in and, I'm, and I want to tell kids about it. We might spend two weeks on, on this little sidebar, you know, to, that we maybe never even covered before. Or, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I think that all of that curriculum for a lot of us is, is pretty fluid yeah. and, and I think you, you go through some stuff, kids just grasp quick, some groups grasp it faster and you can move through it or get a little deeper and spend a little more time. Just depends a lot on the kids, but that's the part probably that I enjoy. Yeah. And I, and I'm right there with you. And I mean, and that's the thing you've got to gravitate towards what, what you know, or what you feel comfortable right. with because, and, and not, you know, let those outside those influences try to push you in a right. direction because right. you know you're obviously not going to put your heart and soul in it is right so i can tell you probably the worst my least favorite or the worst class i ever taught uh one the first year i was at princeton they had a, a full year of small gas engines that was a it was a small gas engines class it was a whole it wasn't a semester deal it was a whole year and man was i miserable with that the kids were miserable with it <laughs> I don't know anything about, <laughs> I, I couldn't fix a lawnmower if my life depended upon it. And we were, we rebuilt two or three motors in there and I'd have to call somebody and say, Hey, of, of an evening, you know, I'd tell the kids, well, it could be this, this, or this. And I'd look at, cause the internet wasn't really even that good. Then I'd have to look <laughs> in some book or manual and be like, well, it could be this. And then I'd call the local lawnmower guy and be like hey can you come up here after school and look at this stupid thing i can't get it to do it. he'd he'd take the spark plug out clean a little gas off and maybe regap it plug it in and it'd go and i'd be next day i'd tell kids you know i think it's this let's try this let's <laughs> <laughs> but it was i faked my way through that the whole time and it was it was miserable uh well you know that's just it you just gotta be one step ahead of them most that's part. right that's right 
uh, and actually, you know, small engines, it became, I don't want to say it's one of my favorite. I don't, I don't dislike it. I do enjoy it. Uh, yep. like I said, there's, there's still a lot to learn, but I got the, have you ever had a student get their hand caught in a cylinder in, in a small oh, engine? Oh, no. oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got photographic proof of that one. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yep, oh, stuck her hand, stuck her hand down the cylinder, reached and somehow got it around the crankshaft, and then couldn't get oh, it out. No. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know that's one of the things about this job that I think keeps you young and keeps you going is every day is is just something different, something new, and some of them, some of those some of those new things that happen aren't so great. But a lot of that stuff is the stuff you remember. And oh, the stuff ab- absolutely. You think, how in the world did that happen? Or how did this kid do that? You know, and <laughs> it's uh, that's the kind of stuff that we, you know, as, as you know, you, you, you talked about that this is it for me. And, and so I've had several former students reach out and, and, and holler at me, text me or snap me or call me. And, and we get to <clears throat> inevitably then it, it goes into, telling stories about right. you know stuff that happened or something that would happen to somebody and and you, it, it kind of brings all that back and some of that stuff today i'm just like i, I don't know how i don't know how i stayed employed uh, first <laughs> of all but but secondly i you know i just it's hilarious to think about some of that stuff that that happens and it's the that's the fun stuff you remember the the worst part about me anymore is it it seems like i forget more of that stuff until somebody brings it up that's right and i'm yep. like ah, are you sure that really happened I, <laughs> yep. I said that doesn't sound like me at all <laughs> <laughs> oh but i'll tell you that deal with that girl sticking her her hand down that uh, small engine and down in that cylinder it was hilarious at first until it started till it, you know it was like until you can we're going to get this thing out right <laughs> So how did you get, how did she get it out of there? Oh, it took a little, it, it took a little pry and she kept going, ow, ow. I'm like, well, I, I don't know how else to get this thing out. I'm like, do you really want to go to the emergency room with, with a, a brick motor on your, yeah. I mean, cause I'm like, that's your next option. You can take a little pain or, or you can oh let everybody my. in the world see this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that oh my. is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> so what do you think what's been the biggest one of your biggest challenges or changes you know changes in the classroom oh man um you know i I think every especially in a a small school i I think this is universal but i think we notice it we notice the curve more maybe in a small school just because you don't have as many kids and and i've seen a i've seen so many different kind of shifts up and down in in kids and in uh, maybe work ethic or or just their ability to to look further down the road and see kind of the end goal, even though it's not immediate gratification. I think we've we've shifted and changed. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kind of paint every kid with that brush, but but I do think that there's a shift there a little bit. I, I that's from a kid standpoint. Um, school wise, gosh, just how we do it, the technology available at our disposal, the information that's out there um, is leaps and bounds ahead of where it was, you know, when, when you and I would have started right. and uh, the, the availability of curriculum and different varieties of curriculum, how you access, access that stuff, uh, the, how the kids access it. Um, 
it, I mean, there's if if you there's something you want to teach, it's out there. It's out there. Somebody's got a some sort of template for it, and and some sort of activities and labs, and I yeah. mean, there's there's anything you can imagine. And if you just at night, and and this is some of my best ideas or stuff that <laughs> stuck, you know, I'd I'd be home at night. You, I always have to have kind of that wind down time and my 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 wife and, and and my daughter she's gotten older there they like to be in bed early and 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 i i have to kind of sit there in my chair and unwind and some of those ideas you're like what if we did this or I wonder if we could incorporate this deal and so then you go back to school the next day and you think well i wonder if we could do that you go to search in a little bit and there's infinite possibilities I, I, if you can dream it up man you can teach it and you know when we first when you and i first started you had three ring binders that had IML curriculum in them. Yeah. And unless you wanted to completely reinvent the wheel, that's, that was the basis for what you did. And, uh, and I, today I think just technology and how we utilize it. I mean, just like right now, you know, I'm in, I'm in Des Moines, you're in your ag office and, and here we are communicating and doing a podcast and just that kind of stuff is to me is amazing. Well, you know, know, look at what over the last year, you know, where, we went from a pretty traditional in-person how we've done it for years to maybe everybody's sitting at home to some, you know, and not, not everybody went to went completely virtual, but, you know, think of the percentage of teachers in our state that, that we're doing what we're, what they're doing. And then all of a sudden having to do it just like you and I are communicating that. Oh, I know. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's some of that stuff that, and, and, and I guess there's goods and bads to both of it. And, uh, you know, the possibilities are endless. The technology is endless. But at the same time, I don't know, which this is a bold statement given, given what I'm leaving teaching to go do. But, but I, I, don't, I don't think technology can ever replace in-person, hands-on, which, of course, is the, the core and the bread of what we do. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that kind of goes back, you know, just using your animal science. There's a lot of that animal science. Yeah, we can teach virtually. But I mean, I can tell you some of the some of the best feedback I got from kids is, you know, you lay a repro track out on a on a table and and say, okay, and we start cutting it open and looking at this, finding follicles, doing this or, or, you know, pull out the the AI gun and say, okay, now we're going to pass this thing through the cervix. That'll never be that, that can't be replaced. Right. You know, we right. can do it digitally. We can show pictures. We can show video. But that kid putting that hand on that and actually doing it. Yep. I mean, I agree. Yeah, we just I agree. We'll never, we'll never replace that. And and obviously, yeah. I was fortunate enough that uh, we only did virtual seven days this this past school year, um, just the last seven days before Christmas. So basically, yep. we did some wrap up stuff. But I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to teach a construction class an right. entire semester. Right. I don't know how I, I honestly, you know, my hat's off to those folks that had to do that. And, and to a certain extent, some, some, some places are still, are still doing it. And uh, I, I don't know how you do it. I, I don't know how that the day to day, like we were in the same boat right there before Christmas, I guess is kind of when we got hit hard and we kind of let out about a week early and we went to digital or kind of a, an online platform for a few days. And, you know, a lot of it's what I consider, and I and I'm I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll kind of pull the curtain back and just say a lot of that ends up just being busy work. 
um, for kids more so than anything that's super educational or anything they're getting big life-changing information out of. Well, and initially, you know, we were told, you know, we can't, we can't make them have video on when we're trying to, to teach from class. And I'm just like, you know, so then all we're doing is just going through the motions because what little accountability we do have, you're trying to take away from us. Yep. I agree. So anyway, let's just hope that, uh, that was, you know, the exception to the rule. And we don't, I mean, I hope I don't want to see it again in my teaching career. You know, right. Like, exactly. And it looks to me like, you know, maybe we're headed back. I, I think by and large headed back to what, what all of us kind of know as normal. And, uh, you know, they just made the announcement yeah. that national convention is going to be in person. And I was glad to see that. That was, I, I felt like a lot of things would go back in person. That was a question mark I had on what national right. FFA would do. And so I think that that's a positive and I think starts to set a tone then maybe right. on going back to more of a normal. And although, you know, I'm still kind of waiting for, you know, they haven't been really forthcoming with what that, what that's going to look like. Right. Completely. Exactly. And in so, person could be, could be a we, lot of things. Right. And we don't know if it's, if it's a award, you know, only we don't know. Cause that'd been some discussion I'd heard amongst, well, some of the folks right. thought maybe that was going to be the only thing. And right. so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see it will what, be. what's coming. It will be. Uh, but uh, yeah, that will, that's definitely head us down that, down that path as normality. So uh, obviously I think I know the answer on this one. One of this. Uh, so what's your, what's your uh, favorite contest to train? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest with you. The obvious answer there is livestock. Of course, that's, that's just kind of who I am, and that's the contest that I gravitated to. That I, that probably my skill set lends itself to the most. Um, but I can tell you that I, I, for no reason other than the fact that I kind of grew up watching my dad do it, um, I enjoy dairy cattle. That's one kids enjoy. I enjoy. I love the horse contest, and and I will tell you, uh, this is one that probably nobody really knows, but. Uh, outside of the livestock contest, my, my favorite contest is probably the meats contest. I, I love that. one. And, uh, and, and for some of the reasons that livestock contests can be frustrating meats contest, there's a certain type of kid that six that, that gravitates to those and find success in those that might not find it in the livestock contest. Yeah. Uh, some of those, what I consider those subjective, because, uh, you know, I can train a kid to, Hey, this is a good heifer. This is what a good heifer looks like. This is how a good heifer moves you can go somewhere and that committee doesn't agree with my ideal good heifer at all. Absolutely. And, uh, and I can train kids to, to talk and, and give reasons and sound like I want them to sound, but that may not translate into every reasons takers here, but you know, a porterhouse is always a porterhouse. It's kind of black and white. And, right. uh, and there's a certain type of kid that excel in that when you take the subjectivity out of it a little bit. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and I, I can tell you, I'm not a bug guy. I'm not a plant guy. Um, and so where, where there is more of that black and white deal. So that's kind of our version of that type of contest where you can take a kid that's, that's driven and smart and wants things to be this way. That's it's this and, and they excel in those things. And some, and some kids can do both. I've had, I've been really lucky over the years that I've had kids that, that they can switch back and forth between, the kind of black and white concrete meets mentality. Yeah. And then the subjective kind of, well, we like this type of effort. And this is how, how we're going to sort them. 
And if they don't sort them that way, hey, that's just how it works. And we may we <laughs> so may keep some. Did you find as you've gotten older that that more gravitating towards more of that you kind of like those black and white contests just a little bit more? Or I well, I, I've always liked meats, um, but I have a I guess as I've gotten older, when you're young, you know you're kind of I don't I don't I don't know if cocky is the right word, but you just you're you're confident and you're like, well, hey, this is how we're going to sort them. They don't like them that way, then they're wrong. And uh, and as I've gotten older, I understand more about, you know, not everybody's going to see things the way we see them. And so as I've gotten older, I do have a, probably a better appreciation for those more black and white contests. Well, I think I mean, than I, what I, I did before. I think it's a maturity thing amongst ourselves. You know, personally. I agree. I mean, and I see it. I see it in a lot of things. I mean, just look at look at rodeo events. You know. Oh yeah. I, the difference, but I definitely gravitate towards more towards enjoying timed events versus. Yeah, I agree. Versus you rough bet. stock, yep. because of the subjectivity to it. You know. That's right. It, it's exactly right. I, you know, and I and I'll tell you, um, some of some of the contests that that you know, and and and, and that's the beauty of what we do, um, is that everybody kind of has their strengths or their interest areas and their their passions and that's why contests i think are so much fun um because you get to share a little bit of that with your kids and your kids get to see a different side of you and a different part of what we do and i'll just tell you like i'm all in on on those eval contests and and i and i can take or leave creed and some of that stuff to me that's the ultimate subjective contest because <laughs> yeah. you know everybody's saying the exact same thing. It's a drama class pretty much. <laughs> and whoever's the best actor, actress tends to, and that's not to disparage. I mean, I'm in awe of it. I'm in awe of it. Yeah. And obviously I don't have that skill set to help kids be better at it. And, uh, cause a kid will come in and, you know, and over the years we've, we've had some creed speakers and a kid will come in and just blow my doors off. I'm like, man, that's great. And so I'll send it to somebody else. And they're like, well, you need to change this and put more emphasis on that and take this out. And I'm like, wow, I, I just don't get any of that, but, but I'll, uh, but I, but I'll listen to you. Um, and you know, I, I, there's teachers that I'm good friends with that are, you, you take like that entomology contest and they are passionate about it and they know that stuff in inside and out. And, and it's fun to me. That's maybe what I like the most about that time of year, that type of though, that atmosphere is that I get to see, all, all, every, everybody kind of be passionate about certain things and, and convey that through the, to their kids. And I just love sitting and listening sometimes, especially if it's one of those contests that, that I don't do or that I don't know anything about. I just love, you know, you know how it is inevitably at the agronomy over here by the agronomy contest or over here by the, the, the bugs, you're going to have a group of teachers that are, well, this one's mismarked and the mouth parts aren't right. And I don't know why they got that plan in there. You know, we're, we're a hard group to please really at the end of the day. And, and, uh, and I love just kind of being a fly on the wall and listening at the depth of knowledge and the understanding of the content matter that goes into some of that stuff. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say one word and see if it triggers you buckets. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 that is uh that that's a prime example of in my mind how some once in a while uh we find in my mind the most arbitrary stuff to 
to get excited about, you know, or get, get off on a tangent on it. And that, I remember that year very well. I, and, uh, well, for some of our younger listeners that don't know, uh, several years ago at, at our summer MVATA, the contest committee, I believe it was brought up about not having five-gallon buckets to be taken to the soils contest. And I don't yep. remember where what originated it, what did it. And, I mean, it was the biggest knockdown drag out. Over, oh, my. Over five-gallon yeah. buckets. Uh, it, it, uh, you would have thought that you could have went somewhere and bought a bucket that had all the answers inside of it. And or that having a bucket to sit on to fill out that scantron just magically enhanced the experience for somebody. And and like I said, I think that's that's one of those deals where, you know, like I said, we're kind of a hard group to please. And definitely everybody's got a passion for some of those content areas and will fight to the death. To defend their passions. Absolutely. And, uh, and 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 to a certain extent, that's that's one of the things that I probably love the most more so than the, the actual, you know, who wins, who loses that kind of stuff. That's maybe the part that I get the biggest kick out of is, is is seeing that side of it. At the end of the day, I mean, we, we are one big family, you know, some of us across the state, but you know, we're not perfect on the inside either. I mean, that's right. and, that's, and that's it. Everybody has an opinion on how that needs to be done. And that's what really, and, and when it finally comes to fruition, usually at summer conference, I mean, things can get pretty ugly. They, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, and there's been several of those issues over the years, different contest areas and different stuff. And uh, I can remember uh, the year that we, we took the sire summary out of the, the dairy cattle contest for whatever reason we decided that needed whether it be rigor whether it be you know that it was a waste of time or or that you know these people had it figured out these people didn't we got rid of that and here we are now essentially right back into a pedigree deal the to a certain extent is is just a newer version of that same sire summary and uh and so it's fun to watch that stuff and and the tangents we tend to go on and then eventually it usually cycles back to something very similar to what we were doing anyway. <laughs> There's, it seems like every year on those plants contest, we've got to get this plant out. We got to get this plant in. And then two years, three years later, the plant that we had to have in there, we need that stupid plant out of here. There's no reason that should be in there. Why don't we have this one in? And it was the one we took out three years ago. <laughs> and uh, so it's funny to watch it, the cyclical nature of it. Absolutely. And really, as it cycles back, my, my, uh, really care on some of that has probably, Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. I look, I, and I don't know about you. I look at somebody at, you know, at conference <laughs> and go, what do you want me to do? Just tell me. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yep. I tend to look at, you kind of know around the state and in your district, kind of the, who, who's, who's the big dogs in that contest. Yeah. And they go to talking about, agronomy or nursery i kind of look around the room and like well which side of this argument should i be on what are these guys do? what what are we doing here because i don't even know what that plant is yeah. i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> i don't know and i don't care but i'll be yeah, willing to right. throw a vote your way if that's what you that's want. right yep <laughs> oh <laughs> so uh let's talk a minute just about uh, the professional side of you know uh of ag teaching i mean have you held yep. any offices you you know any of that yeah <laughs> um now i've never uh, it seems like 
I've been, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but um, I've been lucky enough, I guess, that I haven't had to do a whole lot. Um, and so that's, that's the wrong attitude to, <laughs> to have. Um, I've, I went through the, the area officer um, ranks, um, been the area advisor, that kind of stuff. I've never had a district or a, or any kind of a state MVATA office, which is okay. Um, it seems like the times of the year, there's certain things that a guy needs to do there. And I think you need to be passionate about that. I think yeah. you need to be interested in that kind of stuff. And that's, while I have certainly an appreciation for all that stuff, it's probably not necessarily where my interests have lied. Yeah. And, and so I have kind of been able to skirt around that, but I can tell you, I, I'm a firm believer that everybody, everybody ought to run through the area officer yeah. uh, regime at some point, because I do think that helps. I think it under, you get a better understanding of how things work and the things that have to be done and some of the decisions that have to be made. When there's times as an outsider, you look at it and go, well, I have no idea what we're doing this. Why would they do that? And, and once you kind of go through that process, I think you have a lot better understanding of those things. Yeah. And, and my hat's off to all those folks that, that go and do all that stuff just for the simple fact that it needs to be done. And thank goodness we've always kind of got the right people and the right with the right kind of mindset to hold those offices. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's, and I've said it before on, on this podcast is that, you know, the, I, I never saw myself as, as going through like that district officer rotation, but I'm sure glad that I did. I met a lot yep. of people, um, a lot of people from different parts of the state that I probably oh, yeah. have, you know, um, you know, I've sat on some committees with those, some of yep. those folks too, the NVATA yep. committees. And, and, uh, so really when I started this gig, I didn't really ever perceive myself in that, in that route either. Yep. But at the end of the day, I'm sure glad, sure glad that I had some of those experiences. Well, and, and I, I would agree hundred percent with you there, and especially the committee side of it. I've been on the CD committee a couple of times. I've been on the con or the state fair committee a couple of times. And, and during some times where we, especially state fair where there were some issues that needed addressed and uh, and at times those things can be frustrating um, because you feel like you've as a committee you've got a valid point that's going to help you know in that fashion exhibitors or exhibitors families or make it more practical and you realize hey you can make all the suggestions you want but at the end of the day you know, that, those are suggestions and it's kind right. of state uh, fair is going to do what they're going to do. That's right. There's people probably that are making the calls on, on yeses and nos on those things that are, are outside of our, outside of our uh, reach, maybe. Um, the well, contest committee is always interesting. That one's an always, right. always an interesting one, especially now that, now that it's a rewrite year virtually every year, but back in, back when I was first on it, that was, you know, it, it you had a rewrite, whatever, every three, did we have a rewrite every three? I can't, it's been long it enough now. I can't remember. I yeah. Like, yeah. And on those rewrite years, oh man, then those meetings have last a while. And there was always some cussing and discussing well, in those meetings. And, and when, it brought, to that big, when oh, it gets yeah. brought to MVATA, then, you know, it's a, it's a constant argument on whether or not, uh, do you accept the entire committee report? Right. You know, do you, can you not accept, I mean, and there's always yep. confusion. There's always confusion. And, and, and I think there's always a, a push or, 
or we'd rather do those and make them line items and, and right, you know, we want right. we want to do this, but we don't want that. And, right, uh, exactly. And it's makes it it makes it hard for some reason. You know, it's funny it, it the 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 conversations it seems like, and especially like you know at MVATA or or on an area or a district level, a lot of times it seems like the biggest conversations you have, the the most heated sometimes, certainly revolve around contests. So obviously yeah. it's something we're all passionate about it and want the best for our kids. And, and, and like you said, we're all human. Inevitably, we all have opinions on how those things ought to go. And, and our arm, yeah. and, and a lot of times we'll, we'll fight for, for our opinion. Yeah. That uh, you know, it's funny you brought up state fair committee and you, and you'll remember back um, when we first started teaching, when you start talking about suggestions, when, when state fair said that we're going to take your building and we're going to, you're going to build a new one. Yeah. And, you know, we thought we all had had some skin in the game and that and how that building was going to be. You know, they more or less just said, this is what we're going to do. And right. You're going ra- to raise funds to build yeah. a new one. Yeah. You know? And and uh, this is what it's going to be. <laughs> right. And yeah. you remember the initial one is supposed to have a little mezzanine area right. in there. Yep. And, you know, that didn't come to fruition. And, you know, it just kind of um, – I guess it was an eye-opening experience when it was all yeah. said and done. How that how that yeah. all came about, but uh, yeah, and I would, and I and I would, even though I'm a horrible example of it, but you know, as a teacher, that's one of the that's one of the great things we get to do is, hey, I you know, I I don't do this very well, but you should, and uh, <laughs> and so I I I would encourage all of those younger teachers to to jump on those opportunities it's a great way just like you know it seems like every year i don't know about you guys every year we struggle we go through that list of okay we need state proctors and everybody sits on their hand or all of a sudden they're real interested in their phone you know nobody wants to (laughs) and and the then the speech that we always give is hey especially if you're a young teacher and you're interested in seeing the inner workings of that contest or learning more about it it's a great opportunity to do that and the same thing's true within, like we've talked about, some of those committees, um, you know, some of, you know, being an area or a district or a state officer, it's not only do we need good people in those leadership positions, but but it's a great way to, to see how the behind the scenes stuff works and why certain things are the way they are. For sure. For sure. So let's talk about for a minute, yeah, let's tell everybody, uh, you know, you've talked about your, your family and, and, you know, what's, what's, uh, keeping you busy. You know, you're, you're saying you're in Des Moines. So let's talk a little That's bit right. about that and your daughter. And, and, uh. I, uh, we, we are, like I said, you know, animal science deal is, is, is important to me. It's, it's how I grew up. It's, it's kind of the teacher I am. And so inevitably probably it makes sense then that we are, very animal science driven at home. And, uh, my daughter just graduated here a couple weeks ago. Uh, she's going to go judge in college at, at, uh, Northern Oklahoma college in Tonka, Oklahoma. And, uh, she shows hogs and sheep and goats. And we've showed a, a calf or two this year is a change for us. Cause we've always been a multi-species family. And this year we are just hogs, which is unique for us. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, uh, I haven't minded that at home um, uh, very much. My daughter raises a few pigs and, and uh, tried to 
trying to raise a few show pigs, which is in in and of itself an interesting endeavor and a lot of hit and miss and and a lot of frustration. And, but also every once in a while, a good thing happens and there's a little bit of excitement and that kind of keeps everybody going at our house. Um, We, uh, my wife is, she was originally from Princeton and had moved, moved to Indianapolis and was out there a few years, didn't like it, came back, and her and I met and got married, and then my daughter's 18, and and uh, we're pretty passionate as a family about showing livestock, and so we were lucky enough that we get to do that, and that's always been a huge part of what we do, not only as a family, but, at, you know, in, in Princeton, and I've always been pretty lucky, and it, like anything else, it's cyclical. And there's times you have a lot of kids showing times you don't right now in terms of high school kids, there's not a lot of kids that show livestock in our chapter, but there's a whole group of young kids, young 4-H kids. So just a few years, there'll be a whole bunch of kids from Princeton that show uh, through FFA. And so I've been really lucky that not only am I passionate about those things, but the people around me are passionate about it. And God bless my wife because she's, she is a, she's a horse and a rodeo girl originally and so this livestock deal is is especially the show side of the livestock industry is was new to her when she met me and she's just as in on it as i am and is out there scooping pins and washing hogs and hauling off chips and all that fun stuff and and it really is for us <clears throat> i feel like it, it's a great it, it really is an example of a family endeavor we're all we're all vested in yeah. it. and uh, and everything we do we kind of do together which is great until somebody hurts somebody's feelings or somebody <laughs> gets mad and then then you're stuck with this crowd of people that are all mad at each other but but it's it's great and we've been lucky to have some great experiences through it and uh, and i think the experiences that my daughters had uh are irreplaceable in terms of the livestock side of things and, the, and especially the show world and the things that she's got to see and do so much, you know, and as a kid, like I said, we showed, I showed cattle and sheep and, and uh, we went, you know, we'd show at the American Royal. Um, I went to Denver with some cattle. We went to junior nationals, but just the availability of those opportunities for kids today is so much greater. And, and my oh, daughter's absolutely. got to see and do and go to shows and stuff that I'd never even would have dreamed of uh, when I was her age. And, and it's such a smaller world in terms of knowing people and everybody's so much more interconnected. You know, I can remember being a kid and, and, you know, people like Kirk Steerwalt or, or some of those guys, you know, you kind of, you didn't really know them. You knew of them. They were kind of right. a celebrity and it was almost like a celebrity sighting. If you'd see somebody like that walking <laughs> down the aisle at Denver or at Kansas city. And today, you know, these kids, they, not only do they, do they know who those people are, the, the kind of industry changers, but, but they, they're friends with them on, on Instagram or Snapchat, or, you know, they're on a first name basis with them uh, when we go to a show. And so it's, it's neat to see how that's evolved a little bit. And, and like I said, that's a big part of what we do. And, and, and we're, I'm sitting in a parking lot at the Iowa state fairgrounds uh, right now at the recovery hog show, which is a team purebred event they're putting on. Uh, they've, they've expanded this, what I consider big national summer hog show circuit a little bit. Um, we're used to just kind of be the expo and, 
Yeah. And maybe you'd have something you could take to Springfield, but that was kind of team purebred pigs only. And maybe you could go to Louisville, but that was kind of NSR breeds only. Now it's all of these are open to all breeds and crossbreds. And, and so we're actually going to go, we're, we're in Des Moines here in a couple of weeks. We'll go to Indianapolis to the world pork expo. We'll turn around and go to Springfield, Illinois for the, uh, summer team purebred summer show and then head to louisville after that for the nsr show so we'll hit a few of these big national shows it'll keep us busy anyway it's handy the timing of it's really handy along with you know my transition out of the profession and and having to get things kind of cleaned up and sorted and organized at school (laughs) and and, uh, so it's been an interesting interesting couple of weeks so that kind of brings up, you know, as your uh, as your daughter's going going to school, and you know, you got a few years left of the showing. What's going to fill your uh, What's going to fill your your competitive drive uh, <laughs> after after she's done? You I know, mean, there's been some thought about that. Uh, I I don't I don't know to be honest with you. Um, I, I think we will continue to try to expand raising a few hogs and maybe selling some pigs, um, both that we raise and, and, and we've had some discussion about maybe going around gathering some hogs up and maybe trying to place a few hogs, uh, which is, is something that I don't, I don't know how much of a market there is for it, but, but it's something that I'm interested in. And obviously our, you know, judging pro endeavor is certainly going to keep me busy. And, and I've really enjoyed the, I guess in my mind, the, the, the getting to know the business side of that and, and trying to develop stuff that's going to help ag teachers, 4-H kids, FFA kids, not just from a, I guess our, our new deal is and the philosophy that I kind of changed, I guess, a little bit in terms of our philosophy, rather than just a livestock judging side or a contest geared side. Um, I do think that hopefully there's some insight I have after 23 years in the classroom, some curriculum that I've developed, things that we've done that, that all of a sudden now I think we're going to make available to everybody and, uh, and make it and focus on the educational side of it just as much as we try to focus on the, the competitive side of it. And that's, so that's, that's something that I'm excited about. And, and right now that's, I hope that that's something that will kind of fill my day and, and keep me going, you know, where we're not, <clears throat> there's going to come a time here where we're not, we're not on the road weeks at a time showing hogs and, and I'm not, you know, seven days a week training a livestock team or those type of things. And so, you know, you do kind of wonder about that. Like, yeah, you know, can, can a guy set that aside and, and down and go, okay, well, I'm, I'm done with that side and we're going to go work on this other side. And, <laughs> and, uh, and the prospect of doing that actually is, is kind of exciting. Now the, the carrying out of it and, and how that all works, I don't know, but, but the prospect of, of maybe helping other folks do those things is, is exciting too. Well, good. And as you brought it up, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of skirted it up till this point in time, but uh, for those of you that, you know, that don't know, um, Brian Ode's, uh, judging pro, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. And, uh, you know, I will, I would like to say that, uh, Brian put forth a, a virtual, uh, pre-qualifier for area six FFA. And I am, you know, truly grateful, uh, that he was willing to take that on for us and, you know, made, uh, made that uh, pre-qualifier, I mean, just virtually seamless on our end. I mean, it was kind of a, 
I mean, let's be honest, on, on for Area 6, it was kind of a last-minute thing for Central District, you know, kind of happened. And, boy, I picked up the phone and said, Brian, can you make this happen? And uh, he sure jumped all over it. So why don't you – and why don't you, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit of the history of Judging Pro, and then we'll, we'll right. kind of dive into this retirement thing. Because uh, um, Judging Pro is is uh, has been around a while, and we haven't always owned it. Uh, Chip Kemp and Brian Wigan kind of were the originators of it um, back. I want to say it started about, and I'm going to get the dates wrong here. And that's, that's horrible. That's a little bit embarrassing, <laughs> but about 2007, 2008, I think they started thinking about it uh, and kind of putting some things together in about 2005. And I would say about 2007, 2008 is when it kind of, kind of jumped off. It was kind of the first platform of its kind. Um, we used to digital livestock resources, I guess, are nothing new. And we used to use uh, a site, Livestock Judging uh, or Judging 101. And it was a site that K State had developed, but it was all just still pictures. And, and, uh, and, and, but it was, hey, it was something that you could do when it was horrible weather or kids had basketball practice. You couldn't really get in the truck and take a trip. And, and it was a good little supplemental deal. Um, and those guys had the idea, well, what if we, you know, what if we shot video and, and developed a way to put those animals together somewhat in real time and get all the views we needed and, and then add some critiques with it from, from people in the industry that could kind of break it down for kids, much like you would at a judging practice. And uh, it was something that <clears throat> Chip had reached out to me early on, wanted to know if we would try it, see what we liked, give him some feedback. And we did. And, and so when it came available for subscription, we had subscribed to it and used it for years. And uh, when Chip changed careers a little bit and uh, went from went from Mizzou and the coaching gig to uh, the Cenital Association, it, it just shifted his, his, his focus and his time a little bit. <clears throat> and Judging Pro kind of had to go on the back burner. And Brian then had moved up in the department and still still continues to and uh, his plate, <clears throat> pardon me, had gotten a little fuller. And, and so they had toyed with the option of, uh, of seeing if anybody wanted to, to buy it and take it over. And uh, they had reached out to me. And, and I, I sat down, I essentially sat down with my wife. And I said, you know, this is something we use. I think there's a lot of potential for this thing. And, and you know, you and I talked a minute ago, well, you know, at some point I'm going to retire. Bradley's not going to show livestock. And, I'm going to have to have something to do. And, uh, this would be, this is kind of my idea of heaven. Like this is, you know, being able to do essentially some of my favorite parts of what I do as an ag teacher and be able to help other people do it. And so we kind of, kind of jumped in and, and took a chance and, and bought it. And, uh, we've had it since, uh, 2015, I guess is when we, I think 2015 is when we made that transition. And, and I'll be honest with you, that first, year to 18 months <clears throat> was a big learning curve just in how to develop that content, um, how to get, get things edited and released and put on the side. And I'm not a, you know, I said, I'm not a mechanical guy. I've found one more skill that I'm not very good at and that's <laughs> coding and, and computer stuff. And, and so it's been a big learning curve there. And um, essentially I got into it because I felt like, Hey, one of my favorite things to do is to gather up livestock and, and put a class dynamic together for kids that hopefully they can learn from and teach a lesson through that. 
and I, and I feel like I can do that, but some, I had to learn how then to video those animals, how to edit that video and then how to try to get it put on a, on an internet site where people can actually view it. And so that was a process. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you as a guy who's taught ag and kind of thought he understood business and how to do business. Um, I had to learn a little bit about business too, in terms of, uh, you know, marketing and, and, uh, how to, how to reach people, you know, yeah. it, it, it all probably prob- primarily in terms of there hadn't been much advertisement or promotion of judging pro at all. It's kind of been word of mouth. Right. And, uh, and so we had to kind of come up with some, some plans and try to kind of create a social media presence and some of that kind of stuff well, and, and learn to develop some content. And so that's kind of where we were at. And then, uh, you know, a little over a year ago, COVID hit, and uh, we were actually on track with Judging Pro to have the best year we'd had since we'd owned it. And it was really, really gaining some momentum. And, and uh, there's some states that it's it's a really big platform in, in some, of, some of the states. And it just kept growing. And then COVID hit. And I can tell you, as a teacher, I completely understand this. If, if, because if you can imagine this and I'll, so I'll back up in a minute and I'll tell you it, you know, it's subscription based. It's a pay for platform. And, and so it, ours is a little different in the fact, I guess that you pay one fee and you've got access to livestock, dairy horses, meats, and some of the instructional stuff that we have. And, and uh, if you're like me, and what I'm finding out, there's a lot of ag teachers out there like me. You subscribe to something when you need it, which is usually during contest season, March or February, March, April, something like that. And uh, you don't even remember that you subscribe to it until you go to use it. And you go, oh, man, this is shut off. We got to we got to get this fixed today. And uh, and so that's just kind of, I think, how we function a lot of times. And and so I had to kind of figure that out. And. And what I've understood is that the bulk of our subscribership happens, let's say, from February 15th to about May 1st is about when I'd say 90 percent of our subscribers. Renew. I, I quite honestly, I thought you were trying to call me out because I think my no, uh, no, no, I, no, I think my uh, expiration date is well, it was actually um like March 1st or so. I mean, right. it's, it's right, right in the middle when yeah. I need it the worst. Well, I'm course, like, it's right. Yeah. It's right I'm in like, the middle. And that's kind of, kind of how we all work. And so when COVID hit, um, we, we had seen a huge upsurge from let's say January to about the first of March, uh, bigger than a year than we'd ever had. Um, and then I can tell you when COVID hit and everybody went home, it shut off. It just shut off. And, uh, which I 100% understand because if my subscription comes up, let's say March 15th, and we haven't been in school at that point for a week, and we just find out, hey, you're not going back, and there's not going to be any contest, and well, we don't need to subscribe to that deal. Um, and so we decided right then we needed to do something. All the contests, of course, in Missouri had been canceled, and as I reached out uh, to other states and just ag teachers I know from other places, it was the same story nationwide. And they'd canceled Houston, those college kids. Some of them were on en route to Houston to the contest when it got canceled. And so their seasons had been cut short. And we sat down and talked about it. And I said, here's what we're going to do. Well, I'm not worried about subscriptions. I'm not worried about, you know, what happens here as much as I'm worried about trying to do something so kids get an opportunity to 
to have something to judge, you know, because a lot of these kids would have started their season and maybe not got to mark a card anyway. And uh, so we kind of just advertised just on social media that we were going to do a, a, an online virtual contest free of charge, just enter and do it. And, uh, and we did that last year, first part of April and ended up with, and it was odd because we, nobody had really done one on that scale and we weren't sure. I, you know, I told, I said, I don't know if there'll be 50 kids, if there'll be a hundred kids, 500 kids, I just don't know. And so we had to kind of put some things together and what we figured out the first day of the contest is that our servers were not big enough. Um, that the, the first, we had 1100, we had 1100 kids register and, and, and judge classes the first day of a seven day contest. And, uh, over the course of that, that week, um, we had almost 15,000 kids mark a card of some sort in that contest between, and we had several divisions. So we went from little bitty 4-H kids and we tried to cover all the different States and how they do things. Uh, we had a senior reasons division, a junior FFA reasons division. We had questions, FFA had senior 4-H reasons, non re we had, we had like, I think seven or eight divisions in that deal plus junior college and senior college. And the vast amount of kids that that got on there and did that was was I'll be honest with you, uh, kind of mind blowing. And uh, and that was the point when I told my wife, I said, I think there's a think there's a demand for this. I think there's a business here. Uh, if we would ever kind of treat it like a business and actually put more than two or three hours a week into it, you know, and and so that kind of ruminated uh, in my head all during kind of the, the COVID shutdown and, and this summer. And I started kind of sitting down and laying out some stuff that I wanted to try to do. And, and we did that and that got us a little more exposure. And then we've put on, you know, of course you mentioned that we did one for you guys there. Um, we've put on at this point, in fact, I'm getting ready to, I'm working on another one uh, as we speak, but we've put on 58 contests from January to now, um, basically from coast to coast. Um, and, and, and those have been a little bit of everything, uh, livestock contests, horse contests, meets, um, probably we've put on livestock, of course, like, like everything that we've talked about, livestock's probably our biggest priority and our biggest bread and butter deal and probably what people associate with judging pro. But I would say the second most popular and the second most contest we've put on this spring of the meets contest. Really? And, uh, which has been interesting because of course in Missouri, we're different than everybody, like we are in so many <laughs> things, we're different than everybody else. So if we're doing one in Missouri, it's pretty easy and we know what to do. If we're doing one in another state, I kind of have to get an outline of, okay, you guys do 30 cuts and cookery methods and you need a grading class and a, this many judging classes and you need this many. It's just a little different from state to state, but, that's been our second most popular item. And then the one I'm working on now is actually for a Western regional roundup contest in British Columbia, Canada, um, that a lady reached out to me about. And, and so I've even seen it expand. We've got some users in Australia. We've got some users in Canada. Uh, we've got two or three users in Mexico. Um, and so I, I, I hope it works for them. I hope that it's universal enough. It works for those folks, but, uh, but we've seen a big uptick in, 
the users in Judging Pro and 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 the reception to it. And and, and I'll tell you, I'm excited about that. And and like I alluded to earlier, um, as I make this transition from teaching to essentially uh, doing Judging Pro full time, I hope that then we can provide not only more more content in terms of judging classes on all of those different disciplines, but my hope is that uh, over the summer we can develop uh, some curriculum that's usable, um, some instructional videos that are usable. My, my plan is that when you're gone and you've got to be out of the, because I understand firsthand that being gone sometimes is more work than being there. And my, my plan is to be able to have judging pro be a site that if you're a subscriber, you can say, okay, I want you to watch this, this instructional video video about ear notching and then here's the worksheet that goes over ear notches and a little practice quiz over reading ear notches and uh, and that's kind of kind of where we're headed on and uh, and then the other thing that we're going to offer and then this is kind of our debut so you get the exclusive <laughs> here is the one thing that we've been developing and we beta tested it a little bit this spring i had some kids students reach out to me from kind of different, had a, a, a couple kids in Florida, had two or three kids in, in Ohio and, and two or three kids, a handful of kids in Texas reach out to me that for one reason or another, uh, they had lost their ag teacher or their ag teachers, just not a livestock person and they were wanting some help. <clears throat> and so we're actually going to start. And then I had a few teachers reach out to me from different parts of the country and want to know if we'd be interested in doing some practice stuff with them via zoom, just like we are right now. And so one of the things that we're going to start offering is what we're going to call the pro practice series where kids can, can be one-on-one with me uh, via zoom, or if you're an ag teacher and you, you need a little extra help, or there's something that you're struggling to convey. um, You can, you can book a deal where for an hour we can, we'll all work through it with you and we'll practice with your kids. And we're going to do that on the eval side of things. And then we're going to have one that is just exclusively reasons content and working through reasons stuff with kids. And so that's, that's what we're going to call the pro practice series. And so it'll be kind of a, a, almost like a virtual clinic or a virtual practice for kids. Well, good. You're going to go get some experience with some of those American cattle. That, we, uh, <laughs> We, we are going to try to get, we've got a little bit of that on there and that's something that we're certainly going to have to get more of it. And that's, and, and, and I'll tell you, that's the other thing is that that's a great point because when I made this decision, we're a little bit limited just because of my schedule and being an yeah. ag teacher, you're obviously very busy and you know, as well as anybody, it's hard to have a side gig, whether you like to help coach football or you want to show pigs or you've got a, a judging pro dot com business sometimes it's hard to fit that other stuff in the schedule if you're teaching ag and uh right when we need to go south and get footage of american breeds and oye and all those texas majors are going on is right in the middle of course spring and <clears throat> state degrees and proficiencies and contest season where a guy really can't take off for a week and go to san antonio and film stuff right and so that's that's one of the things that we're certainly excited about and that I think is a neat opportunity with, with moving from one career to the next is that I think I'm going to spend a lot of my time next spring on the road, uh, gathering up footage, not only for, not only for, you know, 
users in Missouri to get some exposure to that stuff. But our, our biggest client base is in Texas. And so having some of those American breed classes on there in the cattle side of things is certainly a selling point. Man, that sounds terrible traveling through Texas. <laughs> yeah. Hitting Man, all those winters. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, I, I will tell you, it's going to be really, really hard to stomach when it's, you know, snowy and negative 30 wind chills in North Missouri. And I'm in San Antonio or Houston in my yeah. shorts filming, filming <laughs> cattle classes. That's going to be rough on me. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to see any snaps or anything else. <laughs> Us poor saps that still got to work for a living. That's know? right. That's right. I'll, I'll be thinking of you guys. You know, along about proficiency award time and that stuff, and you guys are it's miserable and it's dark when you go to school and dark when you come home from school. And I'm on a beach somewhere taking a day off from film, and I'll be, I'll really be thinking of you guys. Uh, well, uh, a couple other things I want to mention about Judging Pro. I noticed that you've made, uh, you made a TikTok debut and yeah, uh, and yeah. Instagram. I mean, you, you're really yeah. making your your presence known. So, has that uh, has that really? I don't want to say pay off in spades, but I mean, have you seen a big uh, it, big have, response from that? Spe- specifically, specifically the Instagram uh, feed is probably our, in my mind, right now, probably our best our best outreach. Uh, platform and, and probably responsible for as much buzz and new users as any of the content we put out. And uh, the TikTok deal has some of those have hit big. And I will tell you, I will take absolutely zero credit uh, for the TikTok account or any of that kind of stuff. That uh, I've got a, a few former students that helped me do some editing and 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 kind of helped me on some social media stuff. Of course, my daughter helps me and and talks about all that stuff. In fact, she's um, she won our state ag ed proficiency uh, and it's all based around the stuff that she helps me with, with judging, yeah. uh, filming, um, gathering up content, doing the social media stuff. And so that's a huge part of what she does. And, and so the one thing that all those kids said is you t- kids watch TikTok. You got to have a TikTok. And I'm like, man, I'm not doing that. I don't part of that. I, you know, I, when I think of TikTok, I think of some goofy kid doing some weird dance and, I just not, just not in on it, but I said, here's what I'll do. I said, I'm not following anybody. I'm not looking at TikTok. I'll make a video of me talking about term Tuesday, which is something we do every week. And that's been a huge, and I guess in my mind, that's something that I slowly kind of figured out. I don't have it figured out yet. I'm still learning a lot about the social media and the marketing part of what we do, but I can tell you that I know that that had an impact when we started having regular posts every day and kind of had a theme for each of those days. And, and of course, some of them are more popular than others, but I can tell you term Tuesday, um, the, our Thursday Markham class where you just, and I'll, and I'll be honest, I wish I had a better planned out uh, <laughs> scheme behind this, but that's, here's a, here's an inside secret. Like that's what I've always done with my livestock teams is I'd scroll through Instagram, Facebook, and just find different animals. And I would make a little grid and send those to my livestock teams of an evening. Um, just here's four or five of these classes. Text me back and tell me how you like them. Just to keep them honest and to keep them yeah. thinking about livestock. And so I said, well, maybe we could do something like that for Judging Pro. And so I did the same thing, and that seemed to be a hit. And a lot of times we'll get on those like that Thursday feed where we tell people to, you know, mark them. Uh, it's it's not uncommon to have three four hundred comments on those deals just on yeah. Instagram. 
and uh, and we give all here's a little plug i guess is that <laughs> every, every week you know we essentially what we do is we draw somebody that uh, that ends up with a free subscription to judging pro out of that deal and so we've give away I think we've done that almost a year straight. And so I think I, I figured it up the other day and I think we've gave away 40 or 45 subscriptions just doing that. And, uh, and, and I'm not going to lie. There's a little, when we can't reach out to those folks, it's usually a kid that wins it. We kind of say, Hey, you can use this or you can tell your ag teacher and you guys can create a school account and you guys can use it at school for free for a year. And so we try to help promote it a little bit that way too. But no, I, I, I will tell you the social media part, the TikTok, and specifically Instagram, when we, well, I'll just tell you the jump is we just didn't have a big following really on that stuff. We'd kind of, I'm horrible trying to keep on top of social media. I'm not a social media guy necessarily. And so um, I've tried to get better at it. We went from about 1,200 followers a year ago to about 13 and a half thousand followers on Instagram. That's about where we're at now, I'd say. And so I, I, that contest and just the consistent putting stuff out there every day to help engage kids and people, um, I think has helped us tremendously. Well, your term Tuesday definitely has been, I mean, I've noticed that. I mean, that's, that's really good content. You know, I and, 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 I, and I think it's very educational. I mean, and, and you hit a kid uh, right right there where, where they're at. You know, it's right in their face, whether it be on, you know, the TikTok version or whether on Instagram, yeah. that's where you're going to find a majority of the time. Um, well, and that's my hope on those deals, especially like that term Tuesday is, you know, a lot of that comes from, you know, over the years, I'll say something and, and one of my livestock team kids inevitably will say, well, I, you know, because every week we have a set down just to kind of gauge where we are and, and we'll have a, a quick and all my kids would disagree with this. But I, I always tell them, hey, that for the next 10 minutes, no questions, a stupid question. If there's something you don't understand or a term I'm using that you don't know, um, this is the time to ask. And so what I've got to figure out over the years is there's a lot of stuff that I just inherently use or or a kid will be showing livestock and they hear it ringside that everybody just takes for granted. They know what it is and what that means or what part of the body we're referring to. And there's a lot of kids that don't heck there's a lot of adults or parents that don't necessarily. And uh, they've heard it for years, but everybody's too embarrassed to ask. And (laughs) and so we, uh, that's kind of how that deal come about. And, and I, and I will tell you, that's our biggest engagement are those term Tuesday posts that draws a lot of comments, a lot of shares. Uh, I saw one the other day. I was just going back through some of that stuff looking because if somebody, and, and there's a lot of people that reach out to you on those posts uh, that'll, that'll want to take it a little further, or there'll be kids or parents or sometimes coaches that'll message me and say, okay, I like that. I like, I explain it. Can you tell us this? Or can you tell us how to use it in conjunction with this? And so there's a lot of that that goes on. But I was looking through there and there was, I think we did one here a while back that was like wider from stifle to stifle, which in my mind is pretty self-explanatory. Something you, a guy just takes for granted. Probably everybody understands that. Yeah. And there was a kid that, that commented on there. I've used this my whole life and I just figured out what it meant. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, I'm glad now, you know, I guess that you've been saying this deal for years, maybe. And now you know what you're actually talking about. And, uh, 
And, and I will tell you that that's one of the things that we're going to try to add more so than just here's a class of heifers, let's judge a class of heifers and an explanation on it, why we're judging that way. Uh, there are some videos on it on Judging Pro that focus on just kind of one item, uh, underlines yeah. and vulvas, just feet and legs, just finish in cattle and carcass merit. And I think we're going to try to take that this summer. We've actually got a, a bunch of those scripted and kind of mapped out. Uh, that we're going to film that kind of go more in depth on those term Tuesdays. And that's going to kind of be a series on the, on the site uh, more so than just the, we'll keep doing it of course on social media, but I think we're going to take that one step further than the social media or the TikTok explanations and try to, and try to incorporate it into like a 10 or 15 minute kind of talk. And I'll tell you the first thing I figured out, and we can tell from this podcast, I like to talk. And I can tell you a minute TikTok, it's hard to explain some of those terms in, in <laughs> yeah. 60 seconds without it cutting you off. Can, I don't know how many of those I had to refilm because I'd just be talking <laughs> and off on a tangent and I'd look down and the, my screen's black because it's cut me off and then went to sleep. But, but it's uh, my opportunity maybe to go a little more in depth on some of those. Maybe you need to do a whole series on, uh, on terms Ryan Rash uses. I mean, uh, <laughs> you got to have a TikTok what uh, built like a Kardashian's. That's right. Uh, Ryan, when we did that contest, I reached out to some of those guys and, and Ryan was actually on my committee uh, on the cattle committee for that contest we did virtually. And then he did a, he did a critique on a set of steers for me. And I've, I've been on him because he sent me a video. I was like, Hey, I just need you to record the audio and send it to me. And he's like, well, I'm going to do a video. And I was like, no, no, Ryan, I don't need a video. I just need, <laughs> I just need the audio. He's like, well, I don't have time. You know, I, is, I, I don't have time for that. I'm just going to, I'm setting my phone up and I'm on a video. So he sends me this video of him. So we're still trying to figure out how we get the video of Ryan on the same clip with the video of the steers. And so the, the Ryan critique, which is probably one of the best critiques that would be on Judging Pro, uh still can't go on because i can't convince ryan that i don't need a video of him talking about the steers i just so need, you need a picture of pictures I, that's right and so but he's i will tell you some of those guys within the industry uh have been super supportive of us and super good to help officiate classes to help do critiques for the site um, like Ryan Rash and Dale Hummel are, are two that I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, and we're lucky that right here within our state, right here in Missouri, we've got so many good resources and good livestock right. people. And uh, Troy Sloan, Cody Sloan, uh, Boots, all have done critiques and been on committees for me. And, and it's been a really neat deal that then those guys then can be a part of. And, and a lot of them have judged. A lot of those folks, you know, judge competitively in junior and senior college. So they've got a pretty good appreciation for what we're trying to do as well. And so it's been really neat to, to reach out to some of those folks and have them participate in some of the stuff we do. And Ryan certainly was, was, uh, was, was a fun one to get in there. And now I get Snapchats from Ryan, uh, 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 not every week, but I'd say about every third Markham Thursday, he will, he will send me a snap critiquing the class that I've selected and uh, tell me why one of them absolutely positively can't go first, no matter how, what I think. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's been an interesting development on that deal. 
Oh, well, good deal. Hey, as we, uh, you know, kind of get close to wrapping up, I do want to touch on this, you know, retirement, especially for those who, uh, um, these younger, younger folks that may not understand that, you know, our PSRS system. And I don't, I don't want to dig too, too deep into your, you know, into your, uh, the actual personal side of it, but, uh, you know, you've got 23 years in a teaching and somebody look, well, how do you, how do you go about retiring? Right. Uh, with, with 23 and, years. And so, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a, it's a, it's a big question. And I think a question, a lot of folks, including myself, you know, over the course of teaching, you know, what is that number and how long do I want to teach? And, and, and at what point, you know, if I, if I decide I'm done and want to move on kind of like I have, you know, is that economically feasible? And, uh, and so the, I think that's a great topic. And, um, you know, like, you know, you're left with, if you, if you can't get to 25 or you don't hit the rule of 80 uh, and you're not going to teach 30 years, like in my scenario here, then you're left with just kind of a couple options. And that's to, and, and the one that probably, I guess, in my mind makes the most sense if you're financially able to do it is to buy those years um, to get you uh, to, th- to 25 and out or to 30, depending on where, where in your teaching career you're at. Now, here's the advice that I would give all these young teachers is that when you're young and you're not getting paid quite as much and maybe you, you're not to where you have a family or you're not trying to buy show pigs and all that <laughs> kind of fun stuff, uh, buy, buy a couple of years when you're young. Even if you think you're not going to need them, buy two or three years if you can or buy, buy one year at least and see if that, if that doesn't break you, maybe buy one a year for the first couple, two or three, or maybe five. And then you've built yourself a little cushion. And, and I wish somebody would have kicked me in the butt 23 years ago and told me yeah. to do that. And, well, uh, and while we're, while you're talking about that mention, and just so that I'll, I'll, so those of you that don't know, you are eligible as an ag teacher or, or any career in tech ed, you're able to buy two years without, you know, basically you apply for it. Um, and really, I, I applied for it and I've been approved to buy two years. I haven't done that yet. If you buy anything, of course, I couldn't find a, a quieter place to be. <laughs> if you can uh, to buy anything over two, I mean, you, there's there's a whole list of circumstances right. yep. in, there's in order to do that. Kind of a process that has to be gone through and, and they have to review it and all that kind of stuff. Like you said, I think I think two years you can apply and buy two years really without, without anybody really questioning it. Right. And, and I guess my thought is, you know, and that's essentially, that's what I would need is two years. And I really wish when I was younger, uh, when I wasn't married, when granted uh, nobody's getting rich necessarily doing this, but you probably, I probably had more disposable income at, at, at 23, you know, than I, than I do now to a certain right. extent, just because you don't have some of the bills and commitments that you have. And, and, uh, it would have made more sense for me to do it then, you know, there's, there's options. You can, uh, you can buy those years, you can set on, you can leave it in there, um, and, and, and wait until you hit the right age or the right years of service. You know how there's a formula for how that works. In my case, that's not very economically feasible because it would be at a reduced rate and I'd have to wait till I was like 65 to, right. to collect any of it. Um, and then, and then of course the option that nobody wants to talk about is, is, is pulling your portion out. Um, 
and then potentially reinvest in that in a, in another retirement program or, or, you know, whatever you want to do. And there's of course for, for everybody that does that, there's horror stories out there of, you know, I pulled it out. I wasn't ever going to teach again. I pulled it out. And then five years later, I want to go back to teach and I have to start all over. And, and I, and I've, I've talked with some of those folks uh, that have been in that scenario. And so that's, I, 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 I guess I don't look at that quite as, quite as as horribly as some people do but i think it's a there's finality to doing it that way and that if you are going to pull you know if you can't make it to 25 and out or the rule of 80 or those type of things i think that's something to a certain extent you have to plan for and know okay there's some finality to this and if i do this i'm never going back to the classroom and uh, and i'm gonna have to take that money and invest it a different way and and i and i think that can be done and i think as long as you're as your eyes are open to that, then I, I, I could see people doing that and being successful with it. But I think for most of us, you know, getting, getting as close as you can and, and then hopefully being in a, in, a, in a financial situation where you can invest and buy a couple of years to get you there, I think make a huge difference. So is that, did you, did you buy two years? I mean, uh, I, I will tell you that I haven't done anything yet. I okay. haven't done anything yet. I'm, I, when we get done with this trip is my, is my actual meeting where I sit down and we sit down and have a conversation, sit down and have a conversation and look at a couple of things. And I would, I would with about 90% certainty, that's probably what will happen. Okay. Did you, uh, uh, did you set aside like a 403B? I mean, have you done uh, No, um, no. Uh, I will tell you, I'm, here's another great example of do what I say, not what I do, if that makes any sense. And, uh, and so that's why I guess it's important to me because as a young teacher, you're, you're just going along. You're going, oh, absolutely. And especially those first few years, you know, all of us, I think have, have those years where you were just trying to keep your head above water and, uh, and just trying to, to get through the day or get through the month or get through the contest season. And I'll worry about it later. And then eventually you're on to the next thing. And, yeah. and, and, and I guess my advice to, to really all teachers, but it's specifically those young teachers is that, you know, to sit down and think about, think about your future and, and really take a serious, realistic look at, at your longevity of how long you want to do this and, and, and have that plan. It's hard as a 23 or 24 year old kid to sit down and think about retirement, but it gets here quicker than you think it does. It's, Absolutely. And, and so, and that's one reason why I brought it up, Brian, is, is, you know, I just, I wanted, I, I wanted, you know, another opinion. You know, yep. I, I was fortunate enough and I didn't start it the first year I was teaching. I was fortunate enough that that I did start 403B early on in my career. That yep. wasn't exactly, you know, buying years of service wasn't the, necessarily the plan at the time. Right. It has become more of, you know, the goal. But, you know, when you and I first started teaching, you got to remember that our, that our contribution rate wasn't at 14 percent either. Right. Exactly. You know, it went up. So, yeah, it definitely would have been it would have been smarter to buy. You know, I can't remember exactly where we're at. I don't think we were 11 percent, but it went up incrementally half a percent every year until it finally landed on on right on 14 and a half. I'm sorry, because we're right. It's go. It costs twenty nine percent of your annual salary to, right. to buy a year to buy and, those years. Yeah, and so yeah, and you know, and so that's why I want to make a point to to some of these folks that are listening that yeah, there's uh, if you've got any hope and desire to do that, there's 
they're definitely uh, there's a lot of things to take into consideration and it's a hell of a lot easier doing it when you're young. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard when you're a young teacher to know, you know, my, my hope for all of these teachers is that they fall in love with it and that they, they teach 30 years or more and you have to drag them out of the building kicking and screaming, you know, but the reality and the statistics tell me that's not necessarily the case for a lot of teachers. And so having, having a plan and having some maybe foresight when you're younger makes it more economically feasible. It may not seem so at the time, but, but I wish I could go back and talk to myself, you know, a couple of years in and go, Oh man, you don't understand. This is going to be way cheaper now than it will be when you're right. 45 and, and trying to buy a couple of years. And, and, uh, and you've got a girl going to college and, and right. you're, you know, you, you're paying on a farm and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be way easier now that, you know, you think you're broke, but you don't really own anything and you don't really owe a lot of money. It'd be a lot right. easier to do it now. And, uh, and, and I think we have a tendency to, to kind of, as ag teachers, especially, I think we get so invested in, in what we're doing and our, in our kids and our program that we, sometimes we forget about us. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and looking towards, you know, there, you know, the big running joke is that, you know, ag teachers very rarely apply for any awards or, or anything that in terms of recognition for themselves, because we're too worried about our program and our kids recognition. Right. And, uh, and that seems like a speech they give every year, you know, at MVA is don't forget, you know, you, you guys can apply when they do those, those awards at MVA and, and, uh, and, and the retirement thing and your own financial well-being is certainly uh, should always be a priority as well. Right. And I think, and that kind of goes back to, you know, I don't think anybody's, well, you told us earlier, you jumped in the, in this career to potentially jump out at year five. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, but most of us, I don't think we, we necessarily jump into it with a plan, with an exit plan, you know, immediately, but, um, Big thing is, is there kind of comes a point when, when you're in the career field that you need to, you know, that seven to 10 years, you kind of need to have a come to Jesus. If you, if you're going to, yeah. if, if, yeah, you're you're right. if you're here because the, you know, you're going to give up a lot if you walk away. That's right. That's exactly right. Way. And, and I know that's, that, that's not our whole, our, our whole intention. You know, we're, we're our program and our students first kind of thing but sitting back and taking a real financial picture is, is there comes a point in time where you either need to get in or get out. You're right. You're exactly right. Cause yep. you can't afford to, I mean, you can't, Th that's you can't, right. You can't afford to, you know, just kind of following up on that retirement. So that, that's kind of the end of my thought there was that, uh, that uh, you kind of, you, you know, you don't want to forget about what's coming. You know, we want to, we want to work on our program today and do those things for our kids today, but it, but we definitely need to take a look in the future. And that's exactly of, right. Kind of take care of yourself. And so. That's exactly right. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that more so now than ever. And uh, I, I, uh, I wish that I would have had more foresight or more put more thought into it when I was younger. And, uh, you know, and even last year, uh, like I said, this, this kind of the seed for this change and, and, and switching from teaching ag to judging pro full time, you know, kind of took root really last spring, kind of during all this COVID stuff. And even then, you know, you, you got to sit back and, and do a lot of punching numbers on a calculator and 
setting back and figuring out really what is that plan. And, and like, I, and it's a little embarrassing, but here we are, you know, I'm in getting ready to be in the last month of my contract and I'm still, still kind of sorting through that and figuring out exactly how we want to go about that um, yeah. in terms of the retirement system. But, but uh, you know, and I think at the end of the day that teachers, you just have to find what's right for you and, and what works best for you financially. And, and like I said, I hope all, I hope all those teachers, uh, you know, every year I look all those young teachers used to be, I'd go, man, those guys all kind of, you know, I kind of identified with them and they kind of look the same as me. And the older I get, the more they look like kids to me, you know, and (laughs) when they go across that stage at Springfield and, and, uh, and I hope that, you know, I hope all of them, you know, like I said, really fall in love with this and they're in it for the duration, but, but statistics and, and real life tell us that that's not the case. And like you said, I think somewhere in that seven to 10 years is kind of that. And, and that seems to be kind of where we see some of that attrition rate happen. Yeah. It's in that first, first two or three. And then again, about seven to 10 years is kind of when we see that attrition happen and where somebody kind of goes, okay, I can't, you know, if I go any. So as you can tell our audio cut off there and actually what happened, Brian was sitting in his um, pickup in Des Moines, Iowa at a pig show and his phone got too hot, and so it shut him off. And uh, I finally got a hold of him a little bit later. He said when that happened, uh, he scrambled to take the phone and uh, head to the barn and put it in his cooler to get it cooled down. So anyway, it was good to sit down and talk to Brian, and we do wish him the best luck in retirement. Thank the, thank him for uh, everything he's done for Ag Ed and, and FFA across the state of Missouri, and, you know, we'll continue – know that uh, he'll continue to be a, a big part of Ag Ed across uh, our state and, and across the nation. Just kind of finish up on that retirement talk, you know, uh, don't be afraid to, to reach out and to talk to, you know, your financial planner or to call down to PSRS if you're talking, thinking about retirement. You know, we're by no means experts, um, and so – just wanted to take that opportunity to kind of start that conversation, especially for those of you that are new to the profession, so that uh, maybe that'll help you on down the road. So thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on uh, Here by the Owl.